Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mike Schaefer. There's a part of me that really thinks that there's a Sasquatch. Mike Schaefer. I think the issues here are largely football-related. Mike Schaefer. People are like, oh, the Vikings are terrible. And it's like, yeah, terrible teams always go 13-4. and four. Mike Schaefer. Never feel remotely anything other than just this is awesome with a playoff. Mike Schaefer. Last week I was accused of sounding like I had done a line of uh, illegal drug. Mike Schaefer. I just realized that running this graphic kind of defeats the purpose. It kind of cuts Schaefer in half. Yeah. Plus, we already see Shafe. If you're watching the video, we don't need the visual, even though I like the orange hat. But hi, Shafe. Hi, Shafe. How are you doing? Well, you must be doing fine. I, I knew exactly what you were up to on Sunday when I read your tweets, and you were prematurely congratulating the Chiefs, and then later the Lions on their championship, uh, that you were trying to reverse jinx them. The, uh, the Lions one obviously worked. Is it more glee or relief that the Lions lost for you? Could it be gleef? It could be gleef. Gleef sounds good. Relief? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I like gleef. Gleef is good. Gleef. It, it's it's a big sense of gleef. I would imagine <laughs> a lot of it is just like pure unbridled joy. To be honest. Like, I couldn't imagine a better way for this to go if you didn't want the Lions to be in the Super Bowl. I mean, to have to listen to just the endless parade of, you have to feel good for them. You got to feel good for the city of Detroit. What an amazing moment this is for the Lions. And what an amazing moment it was. And then, to cap it all off, the firestorm of should they have gone for it on these fourth downs? <laughs> you know, Dan Campbell and his this is what we do. The the absolute like ridiculous level of defense that the football nerds have come running into for for Dan Campbell here and, and the decision making of the pro- it's it's fantastic. <laughs> and the best part of it, the absolute best part of it. They lost the game by three points. The three points they chose to eschew not once but twice. It's un- It's unbelievable. I mean, it's incredible. I feel like since Sunday, when I go back and I think about it and how close we were to Taylor Swift versus you got to feel good for the Lions. I mean, what a just remarkable situation for those of us that hate everything. And we finally got something to go our way. It's unbelievable. It felt like it's Christmas morning. Just talking about it. I have so much joy in my heart right now for the sad, sad, sad sack Lions fans. Welcome to pain. You sat on the sidelines 30 years. You've never invested a damn thing. Your heart has never been crushed. And now you know. Now you're like everyone else. And you just get to feel bad. 
and you get to wonder, ah, oh, man, if they would have made the Super Bowl, I wonder what would have happened. You'll never know. <laughs> it's fantastic. I love it. Man, I mean, the only thing I can think of that's somewhat comparable, because I understand where all of this is coming from. I do. I truly do. When the Cardinals made their only Super Bowl, you know, that's a, one. Yeah. I didn't, even though they're in our division and I'm not a Cardinals fan, I was a little bit jealous because that was our old quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't have, now I was rooting for the Steelers because I didn't want to see the Cardinals win because of the whole division thing. But when the Cardinals made the Super Bowl, and this is the oldest professional franchise, by the way, it's older than the Packers, it's older than the Bears, it predates the NFL. And they the made NFL. their first Super Bowl. And they make their first Super Bowl. And I don't remember the whole, oh, isn't it cute because the Cardinals made it. This was different. I mean, there were so many people that were talking about the whole Detroit thing, and, and they've never have never won, and they've never done this, and, and so I I do understand the petty joy that Mike Schaefer is enjoying today. I do. It's I revel in it. I I have absolute like the amount of people in my life that were basically like, "You're not rooting for the Lions," and I like have to explain to them. That under no circumstances am I ever going to feel joy for Detroit or Green Bay or Chicago. And the common refrain was, but it's the Lions. You, you got to feel good for the Lions. They've been terrible. No, I don't, I don't feel good for anybody. All my entire life is rooting for sports teams that get as tantalizingly close as possible and then don't win. I have no joy in my heart for you or you or you. <laughs> It's all about me, baby. That's all that matters. And that's how I'm going to live my life. And if you're not okay with it, fine. You can just be the Mother Teresa of sports fans. I don't care. I want all the joy, none of the pain. And if someone has to have pain, it's going to be you, Detroit. (laughs) Nick, Nick, we need to change out Shafe's Open. That needs to be in the Shafe Open. That whole spiel. I'm way ahead of you. That whole spiel. I mean, that... Perfect. Shave, have you surprised yourself at all with the level of hate that you've been able to develop seemingly overnight for Detroit? Like, I don't remember. I've known you for over a decade. I cannot remember one single conversation with you in, like, 2014 about the Detroit Lions, and here you are today. I, I love it. I'm surprised, though, that you've been able to get from zero to whatever so fast. It shouldn't be that difficult, though. I mean, I don't want success for anybody, really. But, I mean, when it's just, like, beaten down into you, like, the whole you have to feel good for them, like, the just the I, – I, I commented to you about this with the Joe Buck call on the, the two-point conversion that didn't happen. Like, yes. there's just this overwhelming, like, people really wanted to pull for him, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And then the fact that you know this, I never thought they were that good all year. You and then didn't. they're on the precipice of being in the Super Bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl because the 49ers couldn't figure out how to do anything until the second half. And it required hitting a pass off of someone's face mask 50 <laughs> yards down the field, which, you know, unfortunately doesn't allow me to grave dance on, on Brock Purdy. But one victory at a time here, folks. <laughs> we'll get to that one, I'm sure, here in a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's not hard for me to to find a level of vitriol uh, for for a sports franchise. Look, the Vikings play them twice a year. The games have, regardless of how good Minnesota is, the games are obnoxiously close. Like it, it's just one of those things. Like I don't, 
you know, there's there's definitely people that I know that are Lions fans that have suffered through it. And yes, there's a part of me that's like, man, that really sucks. And yet at the same time, I don't get to feel joy, so you shouldn't either. So no, it's <laughs> it's really honestly not difficult. And is it amplified by about a billion because we're on live radio? Sure. But still, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, you know, it would have been cool. No, it would have been terrible. It would have been the worst. I'm glad you saved this rant for us and you didn't spend it anywhere else. I mean, this is this is priceless. It's just uh, no one really uh, affords I, me the opportunity to just dive into my feelings quite like the good folks at, uh, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, so. Well, we 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 care. That's why we care. We, we like we to do we indeed. Get this a chance is, this is what sports is, though. Like, I, yeah, it is. I find it remarkable how many people like are feel the need to be happy for someone else's sports. Like, Why? Like this is your I don't get it. It's supposed to be hatred. It's not like I want bad things to happen to these players. It's not like I want someone to just like their fans. You just want their fans injury. to be tortured, that's all. I just want them to fall one game short of the ultimate prize. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and in the most painful way possible. And for an entire off season of well, should they have kicked the field goal? I mean, how great is that? I mean, it couldn't have happened to a better coach. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'll try to change gears off of that. Oh, do we have to? I don't know. I mean, where else we can, can talk we talk about go? another tortured franchise or a tortured program in Nebraska? Oh, a yeah. Slightly different level of torture. Well, yeah, oh, yeah. which one? I mean, there, there's a couple to choose from. That's true. Well, one is more like the Lions, and the other is more like, uh, I don't know, Army. I don't know which one to – which former uh, football power that is no longer Army? all that relevant. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Did you just compare Nebraska well, how, football where, to Army? Who else, who else has five national titles and seven straight losing seasons? Yeah, I guess <laughs> spot the line. Wow, again. that's a good question. We need to check this out. Who has five Everyone national says titles? Nebraska's, and... We always compare them, John, to the Gophers. Meanwhile, Shafe compares them to the Army, <laughs> to the Army football program. My God. For those wondering, I it's just been straight water today. I haven't had anything else. Okay, all right, well, that's that's good. That's good this to know. Afternoon for me and my brain. Do you accept Nebraska balls road failures? Because no matter how good the season in past seasons where the team has had success, there's always a frustrating major flaw in the in the in the team. And this kind of a flaw, the inability to win on the road, might be the easiest one to explain away. Or accept? Um, uh, accept was a weird, like. Well, except in that, you know, it's hard to win on the road, right? Well, yeah, and it, it is difficult to win on the road, but it's it's more difficult to win on the road when you can't protect double-digit leads. And Nebraska's had three of those on different road games and conference this year. True. Now, two of them were in the second half. One of them was on Saturday when they are up 15-2. to two. Uh, early in the game and then managed to score a grand total of, I think, 30-some points the rest of the way. But uh, that's neither here nor there. No, I mean, it's it seems like it should be fixable, right? Like, it's, it's not that when they played Rutgers or Minnesota that they didn't show flashes of the ability to be the team that blew out teams at, at home. It's the, the part of me that just can't seem to understand it is that they can't even like catch the basketball 
they dribbled it off of their shoe <laughs> twice. Like it, it, it's like inexplicable. It, somehow they got replaced with like a middle school basketball team during the the first media timeout on Saturday. Like that, that's inexplicable to me. I don't understand how a team that, for the most part, up until you know late here in the month of January, had avoided the uh, you know the the tried and true Nebraska scoring drought. Um, you know, and then now all of a sudden they can go 10 minutes of actual game time and score two field goals. Like that doesn't make any sense. And so it's, it's difficult to figure out how they have fallen into this pattern um, and why they're so much better at home because there really shouldn't be, I, I understand, you know, there's some level of, of home court advantage, but you're playing at Jersey Mike's arena. You're not exactly going into like, Cameron or you know one of these vaunted away like there there's a giant difference between playing at the barn in Minnesota and going into Mackey Arena or Assembly Hall Mm -hmm. or wherever and so I don't know that I even really accept the idea that it's you know the challenge of the environment it's just it's one of those sort of almost inexplicable things now their flaw isn't that they can't win on the road their flaw is that they're there's a number of reasons why this team is probably destined to be solid, but not great. And they don't rebound particularly well. They can't defend the three point line particularly well. They might quite frankly be the least athletic team in the entire conference, um, which is remarkable given that they're able to play with, with a lot of different schools, but you can certainly see that when they struggle, they don't have the athleticism of a lot of these other teams. Like they don't, they don't have a rim protector. They don't have a guy who could just sky through the air and grab rebounds. The closest thing they have to that is Juwan Gary, and his status remains relatively unclear. Uh, and so it, they're, they've gotten by by simply running difficult offenses to defend, nailing a bunch of three-pointers, getting to the free-throw line, and playing just good enough defense. And that strategy doesn't always transfer night in and night out. And for them, they've been fortunate that they've been able to do it as often as they have at home. But that doesn't mean they necessarily will on Thursday either against Wisconsin. Shafe, I believe the phrase you just used was they're solid, if not, uh, but not spectacular. Can solid be good enough if they're going to be a tournament team? Can that be good enough to get them in the tournament? I mean, if they had wins against Rutgers and Minnesota right now, we're not even talking about them as if they aren't a tournament team. So it's uh, a yes, I think it is good enough for them to be a tournament team. I think it caps their overall ability to make a run. I think it's really hard to sit here and tell you that if they go 10 and 10 and they win all 10 of their home games and all 10 of their road games, that they could go into the big 10 tournament needing maybe one game to solidify their spot in the, in the, you know, NCAA tournament. I I wouldn't feel particularly great about that scenario. I feel good about the fact that they're in that relative to most years where at this point we're talking about something else entirely. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I think if they come up short, there's going to be no shortage of things that you can discuss. And it doesn't even necessarily have to start with the fact that they had, didn't win games on the road. That's an easy one to point to. But if you just look at the makeup of the team, there's definitely areas in there where they're flawed, even when they win. Mike Schaefer joining us from Husker 24 seven uh, on to football. Uh, now that, you know, pretty for the most part, you know, we, we've put a cap on 2024 in terms of player acquisition. There's, Still some room, perhaps, for another change or two. But when you look ahead at what they're now targeting in 2025 and beyond, and, of course, they've made some changes in their front office as well, have you noticed any 
shifting in philosophy in how Matt Rule is approaching things, or is it pretty consistent based on what they did last offseason to this offseason? Well, I think this offseason, they're definitely been able to get out on the road and see more for the future classes. So I think one of the things that is imperative uh, for Nebraska right now is that, you know, Matt Rule uses this week. They'll see Keona Wilhite at, at some point, and he's the, the only 2024 whose decision is really at stake here um, for Nebraska's class. But a lot of this week is getting Matt Rule for one last time on the road. He won't go on the road again until December of, of 2024. And so getting him out to these schools, getting him to the places where you think not only is it important for the head coach to stop by, but it might make a difference in terms of getting that kid back to campus, getting that kid to make an official visit, getting that kid to say yes to your school. And so he's popping up in Dallas and in St. Louis, and I believe he's he's going to be in Fargo uh, at some point. And, you know, he's going to all of these places where they have some really interesting 2025s. And the reason that you're doing that is that you have to take advantage of this because you won't have it in the spring. And he may not get to have any face-to-face with these players if they don't come back to campus or if they never come to campus. So it's a really big and valuable thing. And I think we saw it at the end of last year. You know, how important was it for him to get to that wrestling match for Grant Bricks or to be at that basketball game in Ainsworth uh, to see Carter Nelson? Like the value of the head coach – because it is so hard to, to make happen in the month of January is huge. And so for them to, to, to get to these critical spots, it could help set up. And I usually, you know, if I went back and I looked at what he did at the end of January last year and some of the important commitments that they picked up, I would imagine there'd be a line that you could draw from where he took those visits and ultimately some of Nebraska's commits. Shave, I wanted to ask you what you think his, his being Matt Rule, his ceiling as a recruiter is – but is that, is that like not the right question that we should be asking about him as a recruiter as it pertains to like typical team rankings in like a 24-7 composite? I guess the, the, the question I would ask you is how do we even measure that in 2024? Mm. Yeah. Because with the transfer portal, unlimited numbers and classes, like if Nebraska takes 18 players in their – and I don't, I'm just picking a number. But let's say they sure. take 18 players in their 2025 class – and they have an average of, you know, a four-star. But they only take 18, and that keeps them capped at, like, the number 18 class in the country. Does that mean that they couldn't have been a top 10 class if they wouldn't, you know, if they would have taken 28? Like, it's just a – I just think it's really hard, maybe more difficult than ever, to measure recruiting rankings from a team perspective. Um and I, I'm not trying to say that to, to sort of weasel out of the question. I just think there's variables and things that are part of it now that are so different than 2018 or 2015 or what have you. And now when you talk about the transfer portal rankings, like what if you're really good at getting high school players so you don't have to get as many of the transfer portal guys? And so therefore you don't have to take as many players in general. And then, you know, you aren't getting some of these marquee transfer individuals. Also, I'm going to say this, and it probably wouldn't be looked upon great by 24-7 sports, so nobody tell any of my bosses over there. <laughs> how the hell do we know how these transfer guys are getting ranked anyways? And who's doing the rankings? I know who's doing the rankings. And some of these guys have been involved in, in you know, player personnel departments around other, you know, operations. But what a guy is ranked for individually 
one season as a player, as a linebacker, like what Stephon Thompson means to Nebraska is entirely different than what Stephon Thompson might have meant for Michigan or Georgia or Wake Forest or wherever. You know, like it's it's much difficult to me than it is from the high school evaluation standpoint because you're only getting it for a finite amount of time. There's no development for the most part in what you're doing with these transfer portal rankings. So I, I've always kind of just been like, yeah, this is a part of what we do, but I'm not over here just like trying to convince anyone that there's an exact science to what's happening right now. Uh, some responses to um, yes to uh, Schaefer's segment so far. Uh, Steve says, damn, Schaefer makes Jack look like a beacon of sweetness and light. <laughs> Uh, from the YouTube comment section, yeah, we have uh, Ryan. I love Schaefer's level of petty. Oh yeah, thank you, Call Greg. Uh, this is an all-time Schaefer mini rant. Thank you, Charles. This is Mike Schaefer's best segment of all time. Dang, that's uh, probably difficult, but thank you. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Rusty, Michael woke up and chose violence today. 100%. I got one from Twitter from uh, John. He writes, Schaefer needs to take a bath because he reeks of jealousy. It's obvious. Well, and then from noted Lions fan Chance, mm. sympathy from Vikings fans is like Tylenol for brain tumors. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just say this. 30 years. 30 years to get to this moment. And, and who I, knows? I, you might never get back. You might never have the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl again. That's true. Nothing is guaranteed. I did. I did. Uh, even though I was rooting for the Lions, but that was my own selfish, you know, looking out for my division yeah, you rivals. You be hot rooting for the 49ers. But there was something cathartic as someone who, before my teams started winning, that the Lions have never gone through. I mean, they had been in this position one time in the last 70 years, right? And that was 30 years ago. That everyone's got to go through that moment, and dare I say Viking fans have gone through this moment more than anyone, where there's just that spot of where fate just reaches in, grabs your heart, pulls it out, crushes it in front of you, and then eats it. And the, and the ball off the face mask, the catch just that whole third quarter was the Bartman game, was the Buckner game, was Gary Anderson missing a field goal, Blair Walsh missing a field. You know what I mean? And they had never yeah, gone they, through they that. Came back from, they came back from a commercial break. And on either side, and it was like a NFC championship brought to you by Fox. And they had these four portraits. And the two on the top, there's Gary Anderson on the right, clearly after the miss. <laughs> And then there's Brett Favre right before he's throwing that ball. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, hell yeah, the Lions are going to have one of these two. And it's going to be that. It's going to be basically Brandon Ayuk catching that pass. Like, that's what it's going to be. Or, you know, it might be Reynolds just inexplicably, like, looking at his hands as if the hands are why he wasn't able to haul that, you know, that catch in. Like, it, I, I don't know what the singular moment exactly is, but when I saw that as the, the comeback in – in like the third quarter and you could just feel the momentum had shift. I was like, Oh yeah, you're going to have one of those pictures. There's going to be a lions fan. That's going to see that and be like, Oh, great. <laughs> that's how I felt. And it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Schaefer, ladies and gentlemen, he does not feel your pain. Like, well, 
He knows your pain, Lions fans. He's enjoying your pain. Uh, Shafe, my uncle, who is also uh, of the Vikings, texts in, Amen, I love Michael, Skull. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I just think we need to be honest with ourselves. You don't have to root for anybody in your division. You don't have to feel good for anyone because their team is having success while yours isn't. Just be honest with yourself and let the hate flow. There you go. Would a Bills-Lions Super Bowl have been maybe your worst nightmare? No, I was uh, I was on board with the Bills, and uh, really, I I I would have been fine. You know, like I don't have any baggage with the Bills. I probably feel some sort of level of kinship with them. The jealousy I would have there is that they get to watch Josh Allen, and there's never been any version of that. You know, for me, but yeah, I don't I don't think a Bills okay. Bills Lions Super Bowl would have been would have been that bad. Okay. All right, Mike Schaefer, Husker two four seven. Shave. Yeah, please subscribe. Especially yes. our, uh, you know. Hey, our read the Dylan Riola Special story. discount for people from Michigan. <laughs> the Dylan Riola story that went up on Sunday is awesome. I highly recommend yes. reading it if you haven't had a chance to yet. Thank you. Highly recommend it. Good job, Shafe. Appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. uh, giving me the platform to just, you know. No, it was our pleasure. Really, really drive it home. It was our pleasure. We apologize. Well, I, I I can't. I'm not apologizing. Yeah, I'm not going to apologize. Ah. It's his words. It's his words. I mean, you don't control yeah. them. I'll own them. At Mike J. Shaver, if you have something to say. That's right. You want to rip him? <laughs> go to the 24-7 message boards. Perfect. Bye, Shafe. See you, guys. Mike Shaver, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was an all-timer. <laughs> I love it. And I love it as someone who doesn't have any bad feelings about the Lions. Like... But well, I think again, he, he I, hits I, on I, something in particular. Like, I understand. Why should it. he? Yeah. Why should he feel for the good story? Why should he agree with the good story when he is not a Lions fan and yeah. they're in his division? Like it doesn't make any sense. No, I I, I, I understand. understand I understand those petty jealousies. Absolutely, yeah. I do. Absolutely, I do. And I understood them even more again before my team started to win because it's like, no, why should you get to go first? It's my turn to go first. Yeah, I don't get to go first. Exactly. So, All right. Still to come, we don't need rules. Mm. And um, is there too much – is is too much offense too good a thing? Someone wrote about mm. that today, and I wanted to tackle that with you and see what you thought. Coming okay. up on 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot – for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.